0: Hey, Comfort, son. You're not the first man his wife played patty-cake on him.
1: I just don't believe it. I won't believe it.
2: I can't believe it. I can't believe it.
1: Believe it, kid.
0: I took the pictures myself. She played patty-cake.
2: No, not my Jessica. Cake. This is impossible. I don't believe it. It can't be. It just can't be. That's against my wife. It's absolutely impossible.
0: That's the light of my life, the apple of my eye, the cream
2: of my coffee. You better start drinking it black, because Acme's taking the cream now. <laughs>
0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One where each week we take a film out of the book A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book My name is Adam St. John
2: My name is Britt Reinhold-Thompson
1: And I'm Joey
0: Rogge
2: And today we are going to be talking about 1988. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Now I am particularly excited about this episode, probably because this was a very late addition to our lists. Uh, just to let the, the, everyone know, uh, when we put our list together, Joey and I uh, both put the lighthouse on our list. <laughs> So we decided that I said, no problem, I'll pick something different. We went through a few different, different ones. And at the last minute I threw out, well, maybe who framed Roger Rabbit? And I think all three of us were, were pretty excited to put that, uh, that in the list, considering how, I don't know, depressing our movie selections are this year. So, so here we are talking about a really kooky, noir filled with animation and dips. So, uh... Before we start talking about who framed Roger Rabbit, why don't we talk about uh recommendations for this week? Adam, do you have a recommendation you'd like to share?
0: Sure. Uh so so one of my favorite things I get to do with these episodes is I try to pull out movies that are somehow linked to the episode, right? So I had I had three stacks going on for this week. I had I had animation, not stack I well, stacks makes it sound like they were really high. I, I, I
2: mean they might be. You have so many movies. I had I
0: had three three sections of movies. Uh, so I had I had animated I had an animated section. Uh, I had a Robert Zemeckis section, and I had a 1988 section. Um, and I watched some some fun stuff. Uh, I definitely got acquainted with Robert Zemeckis's um, filmography. Some things I had not seen, some of his early stuff. But I have to go with the one that I was kind of eyeballing from the beginning, and it it's a movie that like Who Framed Roger Rabbit blends animation and live action, and I am recommending. Paddington. Oh, oh! I gotta look. I gotta look.
2: We'll get to it. We'll get to it.
0: Okay.
1: I have never seen it, despite it being recommended to me a billion times. Um,
0: and and I should say that with it comes the recommendation of of also of Paddington too. Although Paddington is the only one that I watched uh, recently. Um. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Paddington, it's about a bear. It's about a it's about a bear who comes from the darkest Peru. And that's where his family lives. And uh, his he, he he's grown up and uh, an explorer came to Peru long time ago and basically taught his relatives how to speak and to enjoy marmalade and to be very proper British bears in the heart of Peru. Uh, But then someday uh, something happens and Paddington has to leave and he goes to London because the explorer said, if you ever make it to London, there'll be a a home for you. So he gets to London and uh, nobody's very nice to him except for there's this family. Um, And it's led by uh, Hugh Bonville and Sally Hawkins. And uh, I should say Paddington is voiced by Ben Whishaw. And uh, uh, the family, depending on who you ask, reluctantly takes him in. And he, of course, causes mischief. Um, but in doing so, he befriends the, the family and people of the town, uh, and I should say that Nicole Kidman is in this as as the villain, and I will go on record as to say that I think that this is the best Nicole Kidman has ever looked in a movie. I think she is on fire, um, and it plays a... Really fun villain, actually, too. I kind of dug her in the movie. Um, but it's not even really about her and, and her kind of scheme. It's just, it's Paddington bringing this family that's kind of disjointed together. It's just a, it's a fun movie. Um, and 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 I wish I had watched Paddington 2 because i talk more about that. Paddington 2 is the better movie, I will say, of the two. But anyways, Paddington, the franchise, in, a, in all its glory, is my recommend for Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
2: Well, okay, Joey, I'm going to step on your toes and jump in then because my recommendation for this week is Paddington 2. Yes! (laughs) yes (laughs) i'm not even kidding you i i actually really i just feel like sorry sorry to jump in there but i feel like i had to after you said paddington i was like oh shit no way
0: but can i can i play you the internal monologue that happened when i saw your face yes i thought it was gonna be like oh no neil and i hate this fucking movie and i was like oh no
2: god oh shit the cutest (laughs) the cutest movie i've ever seen It's genuinely so pleasant. I actually went into... And I'll say, okay, so I do think that this is one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Paddington 2, hands down. It is phenomenal. And I will just say, for anybody who hasn't seen it, Paddington 2 follows up on our dear friend Paddington Bear as he lives (laughs) in London. And in Paddington 2, he takes a series of odd jobs to acquire a rare pop-up book for his Aunt Lucy's 100th birthday. That's all I want to say. I will say that Hugh Grant is added to the cast in probably his best role ever. And Paddington and Paddington 2 are two of the most lovely, pleasant films I have ever seen. I didn't want to watch it when we did. Neil said, I've heard this is great. I don't really have a history with Paddington Bear. He does. And so I kind of sat back and expected to be on my phone most of the time while he enjoyed like something from his childhood. <laughs> I have never been happier watching a film. It made me love bears. And uh, when we went to England in in March of this of last year, we bought my nephew a Paddington bear because he had to have one. So Paddington 2 is my recommendation. Watch them both. Just have a day. Have a day and watch Paddington and eat marmalade.
0: Ah, uh, because you should always just have a spare sandwich in your hat just in case.
2: Just in, just in case. Just in case. You never know. You might a friend might need it.
0: And Joey, you don't get the joke because you're a fucking loser. Watch the movies. I haven't seen Paddington. Watch the movies. <laughs> Man, it's been re- grant's gonna
1: kill me that I haven't watched it yet. Did you guys see the unbearable weight of massive talent? The Paddington two part in it is fantastic. I didn't. I have not seen it yet, no.
2: Meal watched okay. it. And that spoils
1: nothing. There's just it's an unbelievable Paddington two callback um, out of
2: curiosity yeah, to do you two see, ever see the the twitter account that's like photoshopping paddington into movies
0: yes <laughs> yes i have it,
2: it's my favorite yeah. i love it i send it to people all the time because paddington's just so pleasant he makes everything better
0: whenever i see that i think that's why this exists that's why we need the internet for shit like this
2: for that only that i need nothing else from the internet except for paddington in movies that he shouldn't be in. <laughs> so that's my recommendation. Yeah, I
1: haven't seen it. It's a funny every time. Oh, it's great. You guys are on the same page. Today we I are. I feel very left out.
2: <laughs> I, you know, my my face is so, uh, you just can't tell because I just have reactions to everything. So I either really love something or really hate it when I make a face. And I try not to, but it's hard. I'm just too expressive. Too expressive. All, All good. Right.
0: I love it. Yeah. Joey. Yes.
1: Let's hear it. Man, so I also went the animation live action route. Um, I want a newer movie, Chippendales Rescue Rangers from this year. Um, it was my first thought when it came out. I watched it and I loved it. Watched with my son, um, and I watched it again this week. It's just, it's just really good, really fun. Brings back, you know, from a kid all the way through like modern stuff. Senator Butthead is just, just top notch work. So you know it made that was my first thought and I watched it again. I was like, oh, this is where I'm going. I didn't overcomplicate it for myself.
2: I still haven't watched it even though I said I would. Um I do apologize. I'll watch it at some point, I promise. Actually, I might watch it this week because we're looking for something happy.
0: I I mean, I know Yeah, and I brought it up on the what was it our like our promo episode, I
2: think? Yeah, yeah, you brought it up 6 months yeah. ago. Yeah, there
0: it is. Um but yeah, I mean, it really is. It, it, it's very, and and I will say because of the tone of it, it, it it's so similar to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Not, not. It, it, there, there, there's a crime aspect of it as well. I mean, there really there really is quite a bit that actually connects the Chip and Dale's movie to uh, to, to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. There's a dir- there's a very direct line.
2: <laughs> well, again, I will watch it. I think in the last episode I said, if it's shitty, I'll come back at you. But it now it's been recommended twice by my two co-hosts. So it's going to be fantastic. That's all I can say. So I'm excited to watch it.
0: I just couldn't see you having a bad time. Like, you might not like it. But like I could it would be like if you came back and was like, fuck this, I'd be like, Whoa, oh wow. Oh yeah, no, I is. wouldn't do
2: that. That would be so rude. Like Well, well sure. even if I felt that way, I, I wouldn't come back like that. That would just be that would, a little intense. You'd I, have to I, be I, like, Okay, Britt, I, I'd take be, a fucking chill. And though. that would say
1: more about you that would say more about you than me.
2: <laughs> right? I I agree with that.
1: It's just a good time. There
2: you go. Just a good time. That's awesome. That's great. Well, well, now that we have our recommendations of Chippendale Rescue Rangers and Paddington and Paddington Two, I guess are we ready to jump into Toontown and talk about? Let's go. Who oh. framed Roger Rabbit?
0: Yep. As long as it's not on anything by Cloverleaf, I'm good.
2: Oh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit and the history of LA. So. Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis. The animating director was Richard Edmund Williams. The writing credits are to Jeffrey Price and Peter Seaman, but it is based on a book by Gary Wolf, which, spoiler, I did read. Um, The director of photography is Dean Kundi, and it was edited by Arthur Schmidt. I will say, before I get into the, the actors... This was a powerhouse of incredible artists, so I could not name everybody that was on the crew. If I did, we'd be here all night. But is there anybody on that side of things that you, either of you, think I missed?
0: The only one I threw out there, because you, you you mentioned two of the three that always seem to work with Zemeca. So I just want to throw out, uh, Alan Silvestri did the score Uh because, yes. because oh. him and Arthur Schmidt and Dean Cundey are just on, it's like every Zemeckis film ever, it just seems like, so.
2: And the score is so good, absolutely. I was, I was racking my brain, I was like, who am I forgetting? That's it, yep. There's always one. There's always one. You know, when you're trying to put together these notes, they can all get jumbled together. Um, so then for the cast, we have the amazing Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant. Christopher Lloyd as Judge Doom. I do want to shout out out Corey Burton, who played Doom's tune tune voice, but he was uncredited. We have Stubby Kane as Marvin Acme, Joanna Cassidy as the wonderful Dolores, Alan Tilvern as R.K. Monroe, Charles Fleischer as Roger Rabbit, Benny the Cab, and Greasy and Psycho uh, of the Weasels, and then Kathleen Turner as the speaking voice of Jessica Rabbit, and Amy Irving as the singing voice of Jessica Rabbit. And of course, there were plenty of other people that were voicing all of the characters that they have done for many years for Disney and for Warner Brothers and all of the other studios that were in there. But I just don't have time to say everybody. Everyone was fantastic, though. So for awards and accolades. This movie is pretty lauded. Let's be real. Um, it's it's kind of an incredible feat of, uh, of technical mastery. They created things for this movie. They used everything they possibly could to make it as wonderful as it could be. So it was nominated for six Oscars, and it won Best Editing, Best Visual Effects, and Best Sound Effects. Richard Williams was also the winner of the Special Achievement Award for his contributions to animation and character creation, which I think makes total sense. Um, do either of you have any other awards you want to throw in there?
0: I, well, no, it's, it's not well, an award. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple other things. Um, so Zemeckis got a, a director's guild nomination for this. Uh, he didn't, no, it, oh, didn't dang. Cross, it didn't cross over to the Oscars, but that was there. Um, it was the second highest grossing film that year. Um, yes. Behind uh, behind another surprise movie that did very well, and I previous episode of Best Picture cast Rain Man, um, uh, which is just amazing. Amazing that films like that did so well uh, at the box office back in the day. I'm, Different times. I'm genuinely
2: <laughs> surprised that Zemeckis didn't get a a director nomination for this because this was a feat. It like he the fact that he was able to do this at all is bonkers
1: yeah yeah and the fact that it holds up which they didn't know at the time
0: but unbelievable it
2: does it does hold up
0: uh and i didn't want to step on i don't know if you, i didn't know if you had this but the national film registry or did you, were you gonna get yes. to, okay i'm gonna back off then
2: oh no no no, that's okay how dare you adam i'm really offended um no we'll just we'll just run uh, go straight towards that so hey has this movie been inducted into the national film registry
0: it sure has, Britt.
2: <laughs> oh, has it? Do you think it was maybe in 2016? That
0: um, um, I think that's right. I think that that's uh, what happened there.
2: There we go. The, okay, did either of you read that and think, that seems really late?
1: I couldn't believe it wasn't in there at that point.
2: In 2016, this, the, there are other movies that have tried to do this, but this was a pioneering film. The way that they animated this was incredible i can't believe it wasn't in there before 2016 but at least they got their act together at that point
0: i and i want to i i wish i had this in front of me i think there's they have like a it's a i want to say it's 10 years i could be off but they. they there is a waiting period from when uh the movie was released until it can be into the national film registry which which meant if that is right it could have gotten in as early as 98 but i i just now i can't tell if i'm making up that number or not but yes it it
2: I'm gonna go with it. You sound you sound like you know, so I'll just believe you. Yeah, and it, you know you can tell. That's why confidence matters. Yeah, confidence is great, and <laughs> you can tell us that it's wrong, but we, you know, whatever, it's fine.
0: Other some other key movies I got inducted with: uh, The Birds, Rushmore, The Breakfast Club, The Lion King, Thelma and Louise, and The Princess Bride were also all inducted that year.
2: What a year! That's it. That's a weird year.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what year was Thelma and Louise?
0: 91. 93? 91. Okay. So I have a
2: confession. I actually haven't seen Thelma and Louise.
0: It's it's good. I, it, it We did Ridley Scott's films last year, and it, it really yep. holds up. It, 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 yeah, it's well, a good one. I listened
2: one. to the episode, and I was like, oh, I should watch it. And it's just, it's never come up. I have watched, like, what was it? Black Rain? Oh, my God. <laughs> It's bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a choice. It,
2: it was a choice. We really wanted like one of those like 80s cop action movies. And we're like, this doesn't, this isn't doing anything for us. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It really doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't do much.
2: No. Um. Okay. And now we're going. Oh, so, hey, friends. Is this in the IMDb top 250? I don't know. It's not.
1: I'm going to say yeah. no. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's not. Um I will say Joker still is, uh <laughs> which is disappointing. It has uh, gone down. But I'm going to check every time I host an episode. Um That is
0: that is the best new recurring bit we have. Is Joker still on It's the amazing. top 250.
2: It is. And I was actually pretty pissed that this wasn't on it and Joker is um it will say that it is lower than it was and it's no longer by old boy. So it's like eight down. I'll take it. So we'll take that. It's moving.
1: It's moving in the, trending in the right, right direction.
2: Trending right off of that list. Um, so, you know, it's only going to take it like eight years to get to the bottom at this point, maybe.
1: And the next, the new one's coming out soon, so that will snake it back up. It's it's going to be a roller coaster. Is there
2: another one?
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm. With Lady Gaga. <sighs>
2: Can we not? Like, can we, can we not? Please?
0: Listen, you're talking to the wrong two people here.
2: That's true. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'll go see it, and I won't say if I like it or not. Um, anyways, off of that train, we're gonna hop back on to the Who Framed Roger Rabbit train, and I'll give you a little bit of the plot. So, down on his luck and in need of some cash, Private Eye, Eddie Valiant takes a simple job to follow the wife of a toon named Roger Rabbit who appears to be stepping out on the poor fellow. After photographing evidence of her patty cake antics with none other than Marvin Acme, the owner of Acne Corporation, Eddie hands over his pictures. Marvin mysteriously turns up dead the following day, and unfortunately, Roger is accused of murder. It's up to Eddie to exonerate the poor fool before the sadistic Judge Doom can permanently silence Roger by giving him the dip, which is the only substance known to man that can kill a toon. Eddie finds himself wrapped up in the underbelly of Los Angeles, show business and tunes, attempting to answer the question, who framed Roger Rabbit? Spoiler, it was Judge Doom, and it's all because of capitalism. (laughs) All right, let's open this discussion with... First thoughts. What what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of who framed Roger Rabbit?
1: It's a bummer that Mario destroyed Bob Haskins' career. That that's he's so good in this.
0: What and that's that's I, you know what I, I so I I was looking at reviews and everything was so glowing about the, I mean it's got a ninety seven percent so obviously it's not surprising that most people adored it but I did I did not going to read this whole thing because it's just a bunch of shit but Richard Corliss of Time or uh, uh, yeah of Time magazine he did not like this movie and one of the things that he says um, that I, I truly truly do not like is he says uh, Hoskins in a role for which Eddie Murphy and Bill Murray were considered lacks their effortless star quality he's more like an armor-plated Yosemite Sam gruff and explodable um and I just don't I don't like that I'm not a fan of that at at all
2: I'm gonna do the thing I no, I
0: don't like that I'm gonna
2: do the thing I always do and I'm gonna say my unsung hero is Bob Hoskins we're just getting that right out of the gate
0: Brittany that is also my unsung hero Yes. Wow, third wheel tonight. I'm gonna go, guys.
1: <laughs>
0: well, and, well, and I was because I was thinking about it, and and Brit, you mentioned it perfect right at the top about the like the animators, like, and uh, there are just too many names, and, and and Richard Williams, you know, he did get he did get his he get, got an honorary Oscar for the the specific work that he did, but like. Hoskins is so great in this, and and I wanted to do a comparison because uh, one of the movies that we watched, uh, my, well, Melissa and I watched, uh, was Death Becomes Her, which is another Zemeckis film. And there's a great scene in that movie where Sidney Pollock is in it as a doctor for like three minutes, and he is the one who discovers that Meryl Streep is actually dead. And he plays it so straight and so serious that the scene is it's so it's fucking hilarious. It's one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in my life. But it's only funny because he's so like flabbergasted he doesn't know what to do about it and that energy that bob hoskins brings to this movie is it's what i'm looking for in the movie
1: yeah he's perfect in it i think you know sillier zany doesn't work it has to be the complete opposite energy of the tunes well, I, Bob Haskins does a great job.
2: Oh, no. <clears throat> he believed the tunes were there. Um, I, I felt like it honestly, I felt like it was a masterclass of uh, acting with without a partner because, yes, he did have uh, the person who was voicing Roger Rabbit on on set doing his lines every time, which is amazing. But he didn't have that physical person there. So you know, they would do one shot with a dummy and then they do another shot without so that they could animate him in. And it looks like he is looking at Roger Rabbit every single time. He is so dedicated to his animated co-stars. It's kind of incredible. And I did read a little tidbit that he was actually like starting to have like, hallucinations and he imagined a weasel in like a woman's hat at one point which is very I was like okay that's where you got to step away and and maybe take some time away from set but Bob Hoskins how I just don't understand why this performance isn't used more as I hey this is the way to work with um, things that aren't there especially in a world where we just have CGI monsters constantly now
0: well it's I think this this kind of a movie that blends so many art forms not and not just the animation but the the puppeteering and the animatronics that went into other other parts that would that would later be covered on by uh by the animation. It's one of those things where Spielberg would just one up it in like five years with Jurassic Park, which of course is now like the standard <laughs> of of all of that kind of combination, but one thing Jurassic Park didn't really have was mixing the animation in with the movie um yeah. But but I it it's what Hoskins does is 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 pretty incredible. Um just, I mean just just top to bottom. I, I I dig it. I'm so glad to start off with him because it's he's he's amazing in this movie.
2: He's so good. I Ugh. And I I will say that I came to Roger Rabbit pretty late in life. I think I watched it for the first time all the way through last year or the year before that. I it, it you know, during the pandemic, uh, there's no such thing as time or years. But, uh, but I had talked about how I didn't like this movie for a long time because of the dip, the first dip scene. I remember watching that when I was a kid and going, "I'm out. That's way too much for me." And I know I'm a horror person, but this is different. In horror, I know I'm going to be scared, so I accept that. I did not expect to be scared in a freaking movie about tunes, so I, I was not into it. And I kept saying how much I didn't like. Who Framed Roger Rabbit and then we went on this whole like Zemeckis journey Neil and I did and he said okay well we've got to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit and I was really resistant and I was so freaking happy while I watched this film for the first time and I was like what 31 it was it was such a an eye-opening experience and I thought what was I thinking for years this movie is brilliant So
1: the shoe was innocent you were having its back for years Yeah
2: well, I, yeah, it's, I was going to say it's funny because like E.T. I hate because it scared me and I didn't like this movie because it scared me and I didn't, I don't like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because it scared me, but I came back to this and it's so good and it's made me think, should I go back to E.T.? Maybe? No, I'm not going to, but there was a consideration there.
0: I'm, I'm concerned with the legacy of this movie. Um and not not because of anything aging poorly, but from a standpoint of so, I watched this a few years ago with with Stella, my oldest, and and I from what I can remember, she enjoyed it. But whenever I would mention this movie or like in the last couple of weeks would say, "Hey, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is coming up," she would always go, "I I love Jessica Rabbit." I'm like, "She she she loved her." I'm like, "Awesome." So we start the movie and. Um, the opening cartoon is going on the part that I think my kids are going to have the most fun with. And instantly I'm like, uh, where's Jessica? Where's Jessica Rabbit? When is Jessica Rabbit going to be in the movie? And I'm like, Oh, well, we got to get through some exposition. We got to We got to get through it. Right. We got to get to it. And then she comes in and they sing and Stella got up and started like kind of swaying and stuff. And their focus was there. And then she left. And then they were like, when does Jessica Rabbit come back? And I go, not, not for a while, Uh, And then, and then, you know, she slaps Bob Hoskins and then my kids were out. They were like, I'm out. I'm done. They're like, how much, how much is Jessica Rabbit? And I was like, well, not all that much. And they were like, okay. And they went upstairs and they left us alone. And I was, I I was, I was pretty surprised, honestly, that uh, not just the Jessica Rabbit love, but this, this movie really did not keep their focus and they've seen a lot of stuff, but and 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 so when you listen to Zemeckis and Spielberg talk about, well, it's not just a noir, but it's a period piece, but it's an animated film. Like I dig all that, but like my nine year old was like, Deuces, I'm out.
1: That's interesting. I'm surprised. I was actually curious if your kids were super into it. That's not exactly the way I was gonna be going. <laughs> But, you know, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, and my entire memory of it is Jessica, Robert, uh, Jessica Rabbit and Christopher Lloyd. I forgot pretty much everything else not involving them, which, you know, I mean, they're iconic and, you know, I love Christopher Lloyd, so, but it's very interesting how those things stick. Well,
2: I, wonder, I have to wonder, because this is like, this movie is an expression of, like, intense nostalgia. Right. It's it's all about like the 1940s, not only the 1940s Hollywood system, 1940s L.A., but also 1940s cartoons and Looney Tunes and Acme and older Disney cartoons that. Like, I remember watching Looney Tunes when I was a kid, but I didn't love it. Like, I, Looney Tunes was not my thing. I watched all the Disney princess movies because, let's be real, I was the girliest girl you could probably find. I just loved all the princesses. But there was something about Looney Tunes that really bothered me. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was so resistant to this movie because I didn't enjoy the animation style as much. I realized, oh, it's good, but it's not for me. And I. I wonder, like, do your kids watch Looney Tunes? Are they familiar with these characters that are being shown?
0: So, I, it, in not in the way that we would just watch Looney Tunes on a channel. I mean, I think really their their familiarity is, like, through, unfortunately, the most recent Space Jam movie, uh, which is kind of a travesty. Um. Kind of, I know. You
2: know. I didn't hate it. I think I went in with such low expectations that I was like, it was fine. I mean, it, 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 it was, like passable but
0: and and maybe it was just for what (laughs) and and i know
2: for like an afternoon i guess
0: (laughs) and i think maybe it's just the era too because like they they know who bugs bunny is they know who mickey mouse is and stuff but i think because of and that nostalgia you're talking about of of these the specific era of cartoons like you can't get um like scooby-doo who my kids do know but it's not they don't, they don't, that wouldn't, doesn't mesh with the world of, of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, they know them, but not really.
2: Yeah. I mean, like that was our Saturday morning cartoons, right? They didn't have anything else. So it was that, or for me, you know, I'd watch, uh, you know, Pokemon or something like that. So, so it was, it, it, It's one of those things where I do think it's very ingrained in our childhood in the things that we grew up with. And that's not necessarily for them. So maybe one day there there will be a resurgence of all of these characters that were super popular (laughs) when we were younger. But I think it, it does make sense. It's something that I actually thought about a lot while watching this movie and also reading about like Ready Player One, if you guys ever watched it. All of the
1: like thirty four times for some reason.
2: Thirty four times? Oh my god.
1: (laughs) I've seen that movie so many times. It's 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 a it's borderline embarrassing if I Well I was gonna say that a lot of the
2: things in in Ready Player One, it's up to like a certain point, like right, like two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen. That's that's it. That's where it stops. So there's going to be a point where people can't relate to it as much because it's not their own childhood nostalgia where it was ours.
1: I mean, when uh, when we were kids, for some reason, Bugs Bunny and like Janko Jeans was on t-shirts you just bought at every store. <laughs> like that was like that was a thing. It was just ever present, even though they were so old. You know, gang member Daffy Duck was on a hoodie. Like this was a thing in the world. I'm... So it was just ever present for us. So I think when you know we go back to it, it, it's it just it's gonna hit different. Like Mickey, I mean, in my house, Mickey and. You know the Disney World is cool. is is very present, but I put on Looney Tunes once. I saw it's like thirty seconds of it and walked into another room. I- and he's three. It doesn't that doesn't say anything? But where like Mickey catches him, that 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 doesn't grab him.
2: Uh, I think there's something very. Uh, first off, uh, I now have a vision of of everybody in Janko jeans, which I didn't know existed, and now I need a Joey. You have to send this to me because this is. Incredible. Wait,
0: you don't wait. Wait, hold on. Hold on. We What don't you
2: know exists? No, no, no. We, I know Janko Jeans exists. I know Bugs Bunny exists. Oh. I've never seen the two of them together. I didn't own Janko Jeans. I just knew they were there. We'll we'll take from Janko Jeans into the the literary corner. Now, question, did either of you read Who Censored Roger Rabbit?
0: Uh, britt I know you got our back, so no, I did not. I didn't. I didn't read it. I didn't, but I was like, britt has got this.
2: <laughs> I, I did. I did. Well, so they didn't have it at the library, <coughs> which was surprising to me. And I kept trying to find the audiobook, and I couldn't find an audiobook. But and I was going to buy it on Audible because we we do get Audible. They have all of the BBC radio plays, so it's it's easy to use our credit most year most months, but. They had this for like $1.99 on Amazon. And I thought, sure, I'll spend the $1.99 on this book. It's way darker than the movie. I have to say, this is one of those movies that I think improved upon the source material. Not in the way that Oldboy did. Like, this is fine as is. It's not like Oldboy where I thought, wow, I'm never going to read this again because this is just incel territory. It's more like, oh... This book is just a completely different entity to the movie, and that's fine. So in the book, Roger Rabbit hires Valiant to look into his contract because he says that the people who own it, the DeGreasy brothers, promised him his own comic strip, and instead they made him the sidekick to Baby Herman. And he wants his own comic strip because he's good enough. And on top of that... Jessica Rabbit, his wife, left him for her old boyfriend, who happens to be Rocco de Grisi, who owns his contract. So anyways, Eddie Valiant goes around. He's also a very sexy man, and everybody talks about how sexy he is, which is kind of weird. You know, like Herman's like, hey, bring a bunch of ladies over. And, and Jessica Rabbit's flirting with him. But uh, uh, but at some point, Roger Rabbit is actually like found dead in his apartment. So Valiant works with Roger's doppelganger to solve the, this crime within 48 hours because doppelgangers have an incredibly short life expectancy. And in the end, it is discovered that Roger was killed by a genie. What? Literally. Yeah, I know. Um, Roger had like a tea kettle and everybody's talking about this kettle and they're like, oh, because there's no... there's no fight scenes. There's no slinking around. It's literally valiant going around and, uh, and interviewing people. It kind of reminds me of those old games, like those old games you, you'd have on PC that you would have to go and find contradictions from people to figure out what the actual like issue was and, and solve the, the murder mystery or whatever. So he he'd go around and was asking for all these contradictions between people what people were saying and then they all said oh find this kettle and the kettle happened to have the genie and the genie was a tune and so valiant ends up holding the genie over salt water to be like hey tell me what happened and it it just it doesn't work as well for me personally I think that this is a much better script um, and actually. The writer agreed because he ended up writing two additional books about Roger Rabbit and basically said that all of this first book was Jessica Rabbit's dream and uh, tried to tie more of it into the book or into the movie going forward. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that sounds like that would have been a bad movie. (laughs) Like, I don't care about that. Like, put it in the circus.
2: Well, they tried to make a faithful adaptation to it at the beginning, but there were 40 drafts of this movie. And it was, they bought, I think the movie came, oh, the book came out in what, 1981, and they bought the rights very soon thereafter. And then it was in production hell for so long that they just kept rewriting it and rewriting it. And then it finally morphed into the film that we're talking about in this episode. So like the differences in between the book and the movie, um, tunes can absolutely die in Toontown, which is why uh, tunes use doppelgangers, which are also known as doppels, uh, so that they have someone who does their big stunts and they won't die, which is weird. Uh, also, tunes speak in word bubbles because it's all about comic strips. And uh, some of them, like Jessica Rabbit, choose not to because she's a human tune. Uh, Valiant is, as I've said before, Valiant's described as an extremely handsome man, and there are too many interviews. There are no car chases. There's no fist fights. Uh, well, not until the end. There's no slinking around the darkness. It's just talking to people. Roger Rabbit, um, he really loves toonshine. Unlike Roger Rabbit in the movie, who can barely hold his liquor, and movie Jessica Rabbit doesn't love Roger at all. In fact, she has nothing good to say about him.
1: The bubble talking thing is could have been cool, like that. That I'll give it credit for. That's interesting. I like potentially. The rest of it, the movie made all the right decisions comparatively.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also, are you are you saying Mr.
1: Hoskins is not a handsome fella? Is that?
2: Let me tell you, Hoskins is super handsome, but he's not. The age that I think that Eddie Valiant was in the in the book, or even with the the test I, the test screening.
0: That's what I was gonna. Yeah, the the test footage. It's a way. It, it's it's definitely some. Maybe in his maybe in his, thirties. But like it, he definitely has way more of a, a, a man about town. Like still has still has some uh, some some gunpowder left there. But but Some not, juice. Yeah yeah yeah. H- Hoskins, but again, another movie where I can say, just like in Get Carter, I'm so glad that these these old British guys are just cool taking their shirts off. I just love that like there he is. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be Bob Hoskins. Just that's it, like f- f- five foot nothing, and just be like, boom, here I am.
2: Five foot nothing with um backlighting on his his shoulder hair. Mm-hmm. Uh like that man is hairy and he owned it. I was like, you know what? i'm fine with this this is great i love that that you are being that i love that there's somewhat objectification of of him in this movie since we usually just get objectification of of female bodies in most of these (coughs) movies and for something to be about hollywood and that that's what we get so i'm into it i'm fine i'm fine with that give me bob hoskins a shirtless any day i guess Maybe we'll cut that, who knows
0: No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> no come on That's, That's going on the title card <laughs> it
2: Probably, let's be real That'll probably be the title card right there That or Bugs Bunny and Janko jeans
1: Yeah, I'll find, I'll find some of that I, I, I just remember going to like Six Flags And it just being like Bugs Bunny Hip Hop Bugs all over the place Maybe that was a weird East Coast thing <laughs>
2: it might have been i don't know i don't remember it but who knows okay what can can, can we
1: talk about the patty cake swerve
2: (laughs) fucking okay i got a whole thing on jessica rabbit (laughs) so we can absolutely go to patty cake
1: when when they (laughs) it's so effective it works so well. And then when they go to the actual picture of it, I was like, "Oh, I guess they just won't show us the picture. It's just the picture of them doing patty cake." I absolutely exploded. It got me so good.
0: I mean, I guess I you know, part of me wonders is when, you know, when you're uh when you're Marvin Acme and, you know, you've got you've kind of got the the world on your shoulders, maybe you just miss out on 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 the the good old days of being a kid, and patty cake is just what you need, you know? I mean, it's I don't know. It, it seemed to be his thing. Listen, it's a weird, isolated
1: rich guy.
2: I mean, weird, isolated rich guys are going to do what they want to do, I guess. I will say, I did read a very interesting essay about Jessica Rabbit, and this was something that I read today, so I didn't get a lot of time to really marinate on this idea. But I'm going to bring it down a little bit here uh, and fall back into something that we discussed very recently so jessica rabbit is like the subversion of the femme fatale she is she was drawn to capture the likeness of veronica lake and specifically vicky dugan who was known for wearing like these incredibly low-cut uh dresses that exposed her back Uh, in the 1950s which I found fascinating I just looked up a bunch of pictures of her and I was like oh yeah that is that is absolutely what they were thinking of she's drawn to be like the epitome of the male gaze but she's not actually a femme fatale she's a woman who loves her husband and would do anything to protect him and in fact she's forced into blackmailing Marvin Acme by Maroon, who threatens to ruin her husband's career if she doesn't give in, and in the entertainment industry, women were used as bargaining chips since the beginning of entertainment. I mean, if you think back to the Red Shoes, I even talked about how, um, you know, I talked about how ballerinas were used to exploit were exploited for uh, the whims of of men and and backstage. So. And and I do want to be clear, this is not something that just happens to women in the entertainment industry. This happens to everybody <laughs> in the enter- entertainment industry. I mean, just look at boy bands in the 90s. Uh, that's incredibly difficult to listen, like to read about if you do. But I just found it really watching this now as a woman in her 30s and watching what Jessica Rabbit has to go through was very upsetting to me. I I was um, I found it. I found it really hard like how fucking dare you force her to blackmail somebody for your own gain and and it I it made me feel like I don't want to say good for I'm fine with Maroon dying but I kind of am because fuck him
1: I was good with him dying I, I'm I'm cool <clears throat> with putting it out there
0: yeah yeah I think yeah I think that's uh, an okay thought to have yeah. I
2: mean, when he's even confessing to the plot, he doesn't even he barely men- mentions Jessica Rabbit because it's like she's just a pawn for him and he doesn't even consider her in this whole bargaining. He's like it was just blackmail. I just had to do this one thing and it's like fuck you. You actually uh could have ruined her life and didn't even care.
0: Well, Maroon I think between <laughs> Yeah, between Maroon and Doom, it's like they don't I yeah, there's no There's, there's, there's a single. I mean, Maroon just wanted to sell his his company and his land for money. And Doom, Doom just wants the world to burn.
1: These weren't super complex villains. They were just money and chaos.
2: No, but I still thought I actually thought that Jessica Rabbit was such an interesting character to put into this, especially because in the book she is very much just somebody who will. The only reason that she was with Roger Rabbit is because of a genie wish. So
1: fucking genies. I thought
2: it was really nice that she actually loved her husband and they were a, a pair, a, a, an unlikely pair. But, you know, at the end, she's like, come on, I'll get, make you a carrot cake. And I just thought it was so sweet and so nice that she cared that much.
0: Well, and I think that's where, you know, it, it, she's she is she's the she's resourceful she's like she's smart she's thinking it and and that's why also like who i almost picked as my unsung hero was um uh joanna cassidy is dolores uh oh,
2: me too I, she was my she's spouse. mine she,
0: she's hey. my unsung hero
2: yes
0: who's just such a such a straight shooter and just like like hoskins knowing what movie that he's in i um I, I think I have the line. I just want to get it because it's, it's so early in the movie, but it's so great when, like, Hoskins goes to visit her and she just so, so straightforward goes, A tune killed his brother, dropped a piano on his head. And it's just like, just like, <laughs> like something you hear every day, but just like is so serious about it. And, uh, ah, she's great. She's great. Yeah. She's I, so I loved her. She's she,
1: complete. Just. Fully knowing everything she's doing and playing it just perfectly. (laughs) Like every time she was on screen, she fully got me in
2: well and it's also nice that they cast somebody who it felt like bob hoskins could have a relationship with instead of casting like a 21 year old um it was it's nice saying bob hoskins is
1: ugly
2: (laughs) i'm not saying bob hoskins is ugly i am saying that it's nice to see a woman who's not 21 being the uh (laughs) the counterpart of somebody who is definitely not in their 20s uh that is what i'm saying and she just like commands every scene that she's in she's that red lip is so perfect, and I, I, I just love her. I, I do.
1: <clears throat> you, you get the feeling that Eddie would never have recovered from his broken arm if it wasn't for her. Like, she's the only reason yeah. that he's still around to be a drunk louse now. For, to finally get some sort of redemption. That she's the reason. Because otherwise, I think with his brother, with you know, Teddy and Eddie, without Teddy, oh. Eddie's donezo.
2: I will say that I did find out that one hundred dollars was around two thousand dollars at the time. So she let him borrow a lot of money from the till.
1: That is a bad business model.
2: That's a very bad business model. Don't don't do that, people. Don't let people just steal money from the till. Uh,
0: uh, there was a there was a goof I noticed that was confirmed when I did the research, and uh, I was proud that I noticed this before I looked it up. Otherwise I'd be like just stealing this. Um, in one of the background shots on the Hollywood Hills, it says Hollywood land. Uh, but in that, in that, that year, the land uh, was not, not up anymore. So, so, you know, that was a goof. And then when I confirmed that I was like, haha justice for nobody, but me, because I just was thrilled that I noticed it, but that's that a great pull. Something. That's a great pull.
2: Yeah. I didn't notice it.
0: Um, but yeah, that was it. that was That was a that was a small thing. I gotta say, I, just just so that you like, coming off of all of the Lynch movies, when I when I sat down to watch this and like I didn't, there wasn't a whole there were there weren't like essays and like uh like let's delve into the what is who what is who who framed Roger Rabbit really mean? It was just a lot of like here's how the movie was made. I'm I'm sitting here with my notes going like I don't. I'm almost missing something deep to talk about. I don't really have yeah. that thing. Yeah.
1: So I went from all the Lynch stuff to all the All Quiet on the Western Front combo for Best Picture cast. Oh. So this felt like I don't know, like to be completely honest. I started it one night and I was I had to go back and like start over because it was like so light and fun. I just didn't pay attention. I had to like start over and just like be like, oh no, I have to actually do this. And it was it was a nice change of pace to just have fun. And then you find out that they probably drew a, thousand, a million different screens for this. And Actually, how unbelievable. Uh, the I, these, I was reading about the, um, I think the most impressive, the million, you know, drawings. But the bar scene when there's puppeteers and strains to make this all interact, like everything that went into this, none of this should have worked.
2: So I guess we can get to um, the part that I've, I've been excited to talk about. Let's talk about that animation, y'all. There were no computers used in animating anything in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I will tell you that there there weren't a million cells. But there were 82,000 hand-drawn cells used for this film. And that translates to 55 minutes of animation. Hand-drawn. That's bonkers, they had to capture absolutely everything. It was down to the smallest minute detail for each of these cells. Well and then they painted oh, so, every single small detail.
0: Well and then the work that they did uh at Industrial Light and Magic to add the shadow and stuff. And then there, yep. oh, there was a cool thing there was a cool thing I read today that I, I, I wasn't aware of, and I like this. Um, so when Eddie takes Roger into the back room at the bar uh, to cut off the handcuffs, they bump the lamp. Um, and, and, so, and then it sways. There's a lot of extra work went into making the shadows match what was going on. And now apparently at Disney, bumping the lamp is a term used when employees go the extra mile to make something a little more special. They'll say, bump the lamp.
1: That no one oh else is going to notice but them.
2: I will say watching it this last time with that Lamp was going, I just thought that must have been a nightmare to try for um, uh, industrial light and magic. Because they did all of the uh, they did all the shadows and the lighting trying to make everything look realistic and two dimensional, even though they were hand drawn. And the idea that they just had this swinging light and had to go through each thing, because what they ended up doing was every single image caught was just printed as film, and as a picture, the film was just printed as a picture, and then they had to go through, and the animators had to like match what needed to happen. the The fact that this happened ever is just bonkers to me and I also think it goes to show that yes you can do certain things with CG but the animation still holds up in this movie it still looks incredible and there's a reason for that it was hand drawn there was a lot of love and care put into this and I, go
0: oh no no I, I was just going to I when uh, watching it um this last time uh, there was only there was only one moment that I noticed where, and especially cause like as like technology evolves and everything becomes clearer and clearer and, and crisper and whatever. Um, the only time I noticed the animation not totally match is when he's driving Benny the cab. And there's a moment where he's turn he's, uh, turning around and that like, you could see that the hand, like it, it doesn't match the off. wheel. There's, okay. it's just, it's like, but here's the thing in a movie this long with the hand drawn animation and everything else. like, only in one <laughs> spot yeah that that's pretty incredible
2: well and if you think about like the other parts that do work so well like when um in a right before that when roger rabbit jumps through the window and the um the love letter comes flying out it's seamless yeah. it's perfect it's it's i don't know how that exists and how that happens it's incredible puppeteering but of course there are certain issues like they're not going to get everything right and and I mean, I will say, as I was watching it, this, the the second time I watched it, I was looking out for things where it was like, oh, was that right? Was that right? Did that quite hit? And I felt a little bit bad about that because I thought, what? why am I doing this? Why am I looking for issues when it's just a pleasant movie? And let's just have it. And also, I got to be honest, it was kind of nice to not have to dive in deep and be like, what does this mean? What is the reason for this? It's nice to just have everything on the surface it's a movie about the horrors of capitalism and sometimes maybe we'll get a happy ending.
0: So, uh, so Zemeckis, he, he's in the book. He's in the book three times. Uh, he, he's in it for, uh, for this, he's in it for back to the future and he is in it for Forrest Gump. And, uh, uh I'm curious uh because this is me and I ask this question sometimes. Uh what do you, what do you think is the meccaus Mount Rushmore? Oh no. Because I think it's so I think those 3 I just said would would be on it. I yeah. think those are 3 of the 4. And I mean, then back I to the think... future 3 times. But... <laughs> and then I think your your mileage might vary on on the fourth one. I I had three contenders. Uh, I had Flight, Castaway, or Contact as the fourth.
2: I would put Castaway in there, personally. But I also haven't I, I'm not a huge Zemeckis fan. Um, I I don't seek out his movies. I didn't watch any of the Back to the Futures until uh, the pandemic. So it's just... He's he's not a director that I, I find myself really gravitating towards. But he Yeah. I, I guess my number five would probably be I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about this for a second. Oh no,
0: yeah. you're I, so, I, oh, yeah. Honestly,
1: romancing the stone might be on there for
0: me. Okay. I well I, I, I watched that too just over the over yes. the this last couple of weeks.
2: I'm stealing that. Yep, that's that's my number five.
0: Yeah. that that
1: might be number four for me. If I, if I can't put back good. to the future three on it as well.
2: Yeah. Why not?
0: But it, but, but it's funny that you say that about Zemeckis. Cause I'm, 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 I'm with you. Like I, I love, I love back to the future. It, it is, it's an all timer for me, but it's, It's but I'm not like a Zemeckis fan like and and he he went I I, we watched the Polar Express this last Christmas because it was we hadn't seen it before. And it's it's not good. It is not good. I don't like it. I don't like what's going on at all. Uh,
1: Chip and Dale's does a great thing about that style of amination (laughs) (laughs) or animation and the dead eyedness of it. Um,
2: Oh, actually, I have seen that scene. They're like, oh, look at him. He just has dead eyes. It's so
1: funny. Oh, God. You know, that's really, f- oh man. I mean, I, I'm, well, my, my love for Back to the Future. But yeah, I think, I think Romancing the Stone, it's been a while since I've seen that, but the ones you mentioned, I think I would go Romancing the Stone over all of those. But then it brings his Matt Rushburn a pretty tight window when, you know.
0: Sure, sure. Uh,
1: which is fine, but is, is no one going to mention Beowulf or.
0: Well, <laughs> no, no, why would we do
1: that? I'm joking. <laughs>
2: Okay <laughs> Joey, I was I was about to be like, um, that would not
1: no, that was, even no. make
2: it into consideration for me, but I respect you, but thank God.
1: No, but I also haven't seen contact in a very, very long time. Like I, I don't know I, that I've just, seen it since it came out.
2: I don't I don't think I really like Zemeckas very much. Um I like Romancing the Stone. I like who framed Roger Rabbit, I like uh the, the back to the future
1: You know I really like Death Becomes Her, but I want to put that on oh, yes, that that's the other one That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But I watched that too much as a kid.
2: i Like Death Becomes Her, but it but Death Becomes Her is not one that I reach to very often or or consider watching very often. There has to be something that like sparks it in my mind and I think, "Oh yeah, I could I could watch that. Why not?"
0: And, that, and, see, and that's why I like doing the podcast because I wouldn't have not I would not have well, I had never seen it before and I watched it because I was in the Zemeckis frame of mind and and thought, and, and then I had a had a blast watching it. Have you seen I'm used so Have you seen used car? No, I haven't. Uh, I, that's the second feature. Yeah. Yeah, that's the second. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Britt, did you catch the uh, Did you catch the musical theater line at, towards the beginning of the movie in this?
2: No. Which one? What was it?
0: So, uh, when RK Maroon asks Bob Hoskins, what do you know about show business? He goes, There's no business like it. No <gasps> business I know. <laughs> right, no
2: right. Right from right. Annie,
0: get your gun. Yep. Yep.
2: Yep. Yep. <laughs> he did say that, didn't he? I guess I didn't even clock it, honestly. I was not in musical theater brain. I,
0: I, 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 I that was the worst that is. The worst show I've ever been a part of it was a high school show. It was fucking <laughs> terrible. But that that song, that song is just stuck right up here.
2: Uh, yeah. I don't think I'd do that musical. <coughs> um there are a couple that I'd never do and that's one of them. There's one I did that I'd never do again and I'll I'll tell you off mic. I'm not going <laughs> to put anybody on blast in the in on the podcast, but there are a couple out there that it's like, we could just retire these and they don't need to exist anymore. We don't need them. Might be one of them.
0: So, so Joey, I know Chris, Christopher Lloyd, he, he is great and This Is Doom. But I read something that apparently uh, Tim Curry auditioned and was too terrifying. Pretty
1: scary. Yeah, I believe that. Christopher Lloyd has <laughs> a lovingness to him. <laughs> like, Tim Curry at that turn probably take, this movie's what, rated PG? So like ni- So yes. nineteen eighty eight PG is really like now PG thirteen. Thirteen. T- Tim Curry. This is a different. I mean, it's horrifying. We're talking about it in a very different context.
2: It's so funny because I, I just I love the fact that they called him and they're like, oh, we're interested in having you for this film. And then he tested for it and they went, oh, God, no, no, you're too much, far too much. And I, I am a Tim Curry stan. I love him in everything. I even love him in Legend, which is not a good film. But my God, he is incredible. <laughs>
0: He's probably the best part of it.
2: <laughs> he That and the dance. Him and the dance are the two best parts of Legend. But damn it, I will watch that movie forever uh so i would i would love to see tim curry as doom but i do think that i do think they cast the right person i think that christopher lloyd is amazing i met christopher lloyd did i tell you both that ah, no. yeah when i was down in um when i was down in new mexico i was doing actually i blame christopher lloyd for me getting really really sick one time because uh i was doing tick tick boom at a small theater and they were doing a master class. And Christopher Lloyd was the person doing the master class. And I had accidentally left my cell phone at the theater the night before because this was before we all couldn't live without cell phones. So I I called the stage manager and said, hey, I well, I don't know how I called him. I think I emailed him, actually. And I said, hey, I need to come in and get my phone. He goes, I don't know if you can. Chris is here. And I said, oh, OK, that's that's totally fine. He goes, well, Chris said it's fine for you to come in. I went in and I walked through and he's like oh Chris is in the back just to let you know and I said great no problem walk back Christopher Lloyd is just chain smoking in the back of the like in the wings of the theater and I was like oh hi how's it going and the two of us just had a nice 10 minute chat he was lovely but he was chain smoking and I was doing a musical and I got very 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 sick after that and I'm a I'm, a pretty I, I'm pretty susceptible to things in my environment, so I blame his chain smoking on me getting a horrible, horrible chest infection during that musical.
1: I would accept a chest infection to get to hang out with Christopher Lloyd for a bit.
2: He was very nice. Super cool. He was like, oh, you're doing a play? That's great. What's it about? And I was like, well, it's a musical. Based on Jonathan Larson. Anyways, I'm going to go get my phone because I was 22, Christopher, 21.
0: Christopher Lloyd not knowing what Tick Tick Boom is just seems seems right. It seems like yes. like spot on.
2: Yeah. And I was just like so baffled because nobody warned me that it was fucking Christopher Lloyd. They just said it was Chris. So I was like, great. It's some rando guy named Chris doing a master class. And I walk back and it's Christopher Lloyd.
0: You get back there, and it's Chris O'Donnell, and you're like, oh, okay, hey, how you doing? And then you're out.
2: Oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, did you like the tights as uh, Robin? No? Okay, bye. What's up, Robin? What's up?
1: Remember what everyone thought he was going to be?
2: Acrobats? (laughs) Everyone thought he was going to be
1: huge. But what? He's been on one of those, like, police procedurals forever with Uh, LLJ.
0: That's, yep, he
1: has.
2: You know what? At least he's getting a steady paycheck. Good Good for him. him.
1: Good for him. No doubt. That's great. No doubt. Yeah. You know, he figured out where he belongs, right? Like, he's not going to be lead of action movie guy. He's going to be repeat the same ten lines every week, and he's really good at it, apparently. Good for him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I wonder if he still has his, like, tights, though. Bet you he he wears them under his, like, khakis
1: and remembers. He's like, I was once (laughs) going to be huge. (laughs) They were going to make a Batman after me.
2: (laughs) Oh oh is that mean are we being mean no I think we're fine he's getting a study page right? he's, great. He, he's
0: laughing at us yeah yeah he's he's great he's great
2: yeah. I hope so we love you
1: I I appreciate right. you I, I'm not gonna say I love you that would that would be unfair <laughs> I,
2: it's just being nice so um so one thing I found very interesting in our my research of this film is that the whole um, public transport issue was actually based on a real thing in uh, in LA so in uh, so like in 1887 the electric trolleys known as the red cars were actually introduced did either of you like research this or find this in your research
0: I, I didn't do any additional I just know you can kind of piece it together through Chinatown and through L.A. Confidential. Oh, I was—I yeah. actually watched Chinatown today just
2: because it was like they're so similar. Why don't I just put it on while I work? So I did.
1: Yeah, just, I, but, I, I, so, it made me go back to Chinatown, L.A. Confidential. Like, uh, it's all right there.
2: Well, I also was thinking, I was like, my God, our season is so L.A. centric. Yeah. There's so many LA, I think there are four, but that feels like a lot for how many we're doing. But uh, so like in back to traffic in LA, so Roger Rabbit does talk about things that are interesting uh, and their themes are, are pretty poignant without being super intense about them, right? They talk about racial discrimination without saying, like, oh, but all people who are not white are Toons, which I think is really important because that would be incredibly problematic. But they also talk about the fact that LA screwed over everybody with this whole public tran with taking away the public transports for freeways. Um In eighteen eighty seven, the electric trolleys show up in LA. In 1907, Pacific Electric Railway was founded, and they expanded across to L.A. They're the red cars. But then they started to decline because they weren't profitable, because mainly the people that used these red cars were were not rich, right? They were from the lower-income areas, so the price couldn't be raised, so they couldn't make a profit. And people started to complain that they were too slow and too overcrowded. But, of course, L.A. didn't want to pay to do anything about that. So... (laughs) they sold it to uh, Pacific Electric Rail, uh, or they sold Pacific Electric Railways to National City Lines, (coughs) um, whose main investors were General Motors, Firestone, and Standard Oil, who's now Chevron. And then they phased out trolleys for buses that they bought from said investors. And then they just decided, oh, these are terrible. Let's make freeways and they built freeways through neighborhoods that were either um, that were uh, people like they that were that were not white let's say that they were they were through areas that they were like oh let's gentrify everything there's actually a place called sugar hill which was a, a middle-class black neighborhood where black hollywood stars lived and they purposefully changed the route of a freeway to go through that neighborhood to get rid of it. So the whole issue with Toontown needing to be sold for a freeway is a very, very real thing that happened in LA. And I found that so fascinating because even now, if you go to LA, it's terrible to get anywhere. We've done it. We have plenty of friends down there. And when you want to go somewhere, they're like, "Okay, so it's going to take us two and a half hours to get to the beach if we leave at 10 a.m. So maybe we want to leave at 10, get there, maybe stay there for an hour and then go home so we can have dinner. And it's 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 bonkers to me that it, it that that exists. Thoughts on the freeway system in L.A.?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, they did it with a lot of things, even with the club. You know, tunes were only allowed into work, right? So that was very true in, yep. with the clubs in L.A. at the time. And, you know, they really hit on a lot of really interesting things. And the fact that the freeway bus system was a real thing, it's... it's it's And they're so not heavy-handed with it. it. They just kind of use it as this point. And then you start realizing that, oh, no, this is this is real and this is devious and this is... Maybe not as fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it, it's 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 way less fun when you get to the end of the movie and you go, Well, he might be dead, but Doom wins. Doom yeah. won. He Doom won. he pretty much the shops and the freeways, as far as you can see, like yeah, that's uh that's just called life now. That's that's just how you get from point A to point B. Ah.
2: Yay Capitalism <laughs> so happy and great but i was it was interesting that they decided to bring that that history into the movie especially something that was so it was obviously so rooted in la and so rooted in the uh, hollywood system in the in the book it was very obvious that it was an allegory for race which is problematic like it, it's you know it it was pretty heavy handed, so it was nice to see that they took those ideas but they didn't try to they they just allowed it to be and allowed it to be a part of it without trying to like say that all of the BIPOC community were tunes, which is awful. And let's maybe not do that. Yeah. Because that's that's not benefiting anybody. No, it's which not is great. what the book kinda of felt like um okay is there anything that either of you really want to hit on
1: yeah Toontown was wonderful and that was the one thing where i was kind of in my head being like ah that's gonna that's not gonna hold and i loved it so much
0: i i i enjoyed uh the, the 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 rules of it. I was so happy I got to see Droopy. Like I just kind of right. forgot of Droopy as a character going down sir. I just he's just so yeah. great. It's just just and the yeah, the cartoons that weren't Warner Brothers or Disney, like when Betty Boop came in or Woody Woodpecker at the end, I was just like, "Oh, there are other cartoons. Droopy just made made my day." That was great. And like the whole idea of like I love like I love him hiding in the bathroom, and then of course, this bathroom is just the one room that sticks out of the building, and there's no bottom. It just like these yeah. these these rule, the rules of Toontown just is it's great. I love it.
1: Yeah, the, it, just, it was all so much fun, how quick it changed. His bullets, just <clears> everything. <throat> uh, the bat, the bathroom Toontown. got me to laugh so bad.:
2: I don't know. Toontown kind of gave me a headache. But that's okay I think it was supposed to and I do think the bathroom gag was the best especially when he falls and then his hands go back up and he grabs his hat to bring it back down Tweety Bird shows up it was all that was all great and then you know Bugs and, and Mickey Mouse were on screen together for the first time and people still talk about the fact that did Bugs Bunny actually flip off Mickey who knows <laughs>
0: Bugs is cool. He probably did. I think he would have. 100%. He yeah. would. He's yeah. a snarky He's a snarky
1: guy. He'd take his
2: moment. He's a snarky little brat. He'd take his he's
0: moment. He'd take it's his it's moment.
2: Fine. He, yeah, he'd pick his moment. He would absolutely fill off whoever he wanted. It's fine, Bugs. Go for it. I just wish he was wearing Jenko jeans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, right, do either? Oh, oh no, well, no. You're probably going to do it. I'm, I'm going to back off. You do it.
2: I was going to say, does anybody have a favorite shot? <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, I wanted, I was going to ask what your favorite scene is because we've been on point and I'm, I'm curious if, if we have, if we oh. have the same, same. Yeah.
2: I mean, the ink and paint club.
0: Oh, really okay. Is. All right. It's, All right.
2: It's just such a feat. It's, it's magical. I love the penguin waiters and the octopus bartender and Daffy and Donald. Who are animated with real pianos that were just like rigged to do things at different times. And then Jessica Rabbit slinks on stage and she performs her incredible song, Why Don't You Do Right? And I will say the sparkles were a huge issue in animation. And they were made by a plastic bag.
0: Awesome. Who knew? Awesome. Who knew? What was your so, favorite? We're so not cool. on
2: par on this one. Oh, God.
0: I know. It's about... Uh, I I have to go, and this is just going back to my boy Bob Hoskins, his his song and dance routine where he gets the weasels to die.
2: Close second. Close second. It was almost that, but I just went with a plastic bag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just... I'm And I'm so... And just, like, it's just... He, it's not like he's... He's not performing in any... Like, he's performing the way that Eddie Valiant would do it. He's just... It's not like he all of a sudden can sing and dance. It's just his version of it. It's I I I love that. I just I dig it a lot.
2: It's so good.
0: Uh,
1: Joe, my, yeah. Mine, um, the Judge Doom turned that he's a cartoon. That's oh that, fair. The, the so eyes, scary. Yeah, the eyes stayed with me. That's the one thing I haven't seen this in so long. But I know I knew exactly what that looked like, and it did not disappoint. It's my favorite. The Christopher Lloyd voice change, the Eddie reveal of what happened, and it's you know no motivation whatsoever except just just chaos. And I loved it, and and it just really stuck. And um, that's that's just the most memorable one. That's the one that's gonna st- it just sticks stuck with me forever.
2: So, do either of you have a favorite shot? I you
0: know the one I really like and it's it, it's not like anything even tricky with the camera I just really love because it's the most it's the most that the non-tune world feels like a cartoon to me is the is the giant Roger Rabbit hole in the window
2: Oh fair Oh yeah that's a yeah. great one
0: I just I it, it's so great and and obviously it's timed really well with with him leaving but like I feel like that's I, I, that's a staple of those old like old kind of looney tunes cartoons it's just like somebody runs through a wall and there's the shape of them and it happened but it happened in 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 la it, it didn't happen in toontown so yeah yeah that's a really good one um to be completely
1: honest the the eyes it's it's the same there's <laughs> that visual so
2: you i'm gonna take one for lloyd it's yes yeah, so i get...
1: I'm taking one <laughs> shot from the whole scene that when, when he, you know, after blowing himself with the helium and he turns around and it's just his eyes, the the red out bugged out eyes is it's great.
2: So we're going to Valiant and Valiant. And there's that beautiful shot of just like going through his life almost where we get the pictures of him and his brother, their clowns at their uh, graduation. You see the three of them opening up, uh, you know, this valiant and valiant with Dolores. And then it just comes back to him. He's passed out. It's daytime. There's an empty bottle of booze. And it's just such an incredible... It's it's incredible exposition without realizing it. We don't know we're getting the exposition, but we are. We know everything we need to know about Eddie at that point. And then everything comes up later. We find out about Eddie. Dolores and Eddie, we find out how great he is as a clown. It's just, oh, it's brilliant. It's perfect. I love it so much. And
0: I, I think that's as uh, visual storytelling, or like that's obvious filmmaking, but like storytelling through uh, not using dialogue is something that I think Zemeckis, he really, he really got a hold of on Back to the Future because there's a lot of it there. And I think, yeah, I think you come into this movie and there's. There's just a lot of it, just a lot of like seeing the the surroundings and what's happening and, and you're getting the story of that way.
2: Absolutely. We don't need to know he's poor. He or has no money. He just walks out to the red car and <laughs> holds, holds the check. up his check. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, buddy, you're not going to get on. But that's how we know. Oh, not only does he not have money, he doesn't have problems going outside the system when he jumps on the back with the kids smoking cigarettes.
0: That was amazing. That was amazing. Thanks for the cigarettes. Yes, yeah, that was great. Was- The fact that he's bumming cigarettes off these kids is just top notch. You you could hear one of the kids go (laughs) anytime.
2: I love it. I love it. The fact that he puts his booze into his holster—great touch. You know, it's such a good touch, and and the the whole film is filled with these. We have Chekhov's gun like every couple of minutes. I feel like, and we don't even consider the fact that we have him with. You know, the fact that we don't have Acme's uh, will, but Roger Rabbit talks about finding this blank page that I used lipstick on. Whereas in the ink and paint scene, club scene, you know, uh, Acme is shown to use invisible ink because he finds it funny. And from also to the mallet that ends up being the, the clincher at the end that gets doom into the dip. It's just... It's such a good film. It's so perfect at what it does. And I think that's why there's nothing else really like it.
1: Right,
0: because it doesn't just rely on the crutch of it. Yeah, and and everything else is either, it's going to be compared to it, whether it's something something like a Chippendale, which is obviously very much the same, or something that pales in comparison, and a plug for Below Freezing. Cool World, yep, that was the other one I was going to say. Yep. So, yeah, no, this it's just such a it's such a unique thing that I, that probably won't ever really be attempted again outside of something like a like a Dale. Just it's it's such a it's such a unique piece of, of film history.
2: One. It's so it's it's a difficult thing to do. I think um, Zemeckis and was it the cinematographer? Zemeckis went and sat down with people at Disney and they gave him a list of rules of things you have to do if you are doing live action and animation together and he left thinking like how do we break all these rules broke right? all three so right he, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so then he went to the animator uh who i'm forgetting his name So I'm uh to go richard williams richard williams and said is this possible and he said yeah it's possible but people are lazy and they don't want to spend the money because when you're animating you should be able to rotate everything uh in 3d and be able to To have the same shot because that's how you should be animating but it's difficult to do and it takes a lot of money so most people aren't willing to put that into it but Zemeckis was he was so he was so sure about this film that even when he had final edit even when all of the teens hated it he thought now we're just gonna release it as is because it's perfect and he knew what
1: it was yeah
2: he was right Yep, he absolutely was right all right. I love I mean, that story with
1: the test audience The 18, 19 year olds all walking out And him just, no, they're wrong And that, that's great
2: I probably would have been one of those 18, 19 year olds It, it took until I was about 31 to really Appreciate this film Okay, I think we've done favorite shot. We've done favorite scene. We've done our unsung heroes. We Adam and I got that out early. <laughs> like we were right at the beginning of this episode. Is there anything else you both want to talk about?
1: Well, uh, I have a quote that I love. Um, yep, sorry, papers fell. When Jessica Rabbit says, "I'm not bad. I'm just drawn oh, that way."
2: Of course. Like that was in the book
1: it was, oh wow, yes, all right, so the book yes, deserves a lot of credit for that because that is a fantastic line, especially what we okay. learn about the character later on like it's, it's 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 so good and you know it's you know you hear it, but then when it's her delivery <coughs> it's so good
2: did either of you look up the like uh, the other Jessica rabbit options that they came up with because they're A little bit scary. No. Oh, they're like Disney princesses with Jessica Rabbit proportions. So it almost looks like she's going to just like fold in on herself because her waist is so tiny.
1: That's... Thank God for
2: Zoomakers. Seriously. Well, and Bob Hoskins even said he had no idea what Jessica Rabbit looked like when he was doing any of his scenes. He thought she was going to be blue and just not quite as sexy so when he saw it he went oh that is very different than i expected and she's still this incredible character that people talk about to this day she's so striking
1: yeah absolutely striking is a great word for her
2: all right y'all i think it's time for our question adam i'm gonna start with you because your name starts with an a does this film deserve to be in the book
0: Oh yeah, it really does. I mean, there are there might be other movies that maybe I enjoy more for for one reason or another, but it, it, this is an enjoyable film that has a lot of great elements in it. It's 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 got the it's a fun movie to talk about, but it's got all of the filmmaking stuff as well. And and there's just nothing like it. There's just nothing like it in the book. So yeah, fuck yeah. It's, of course, this should be in the book.
2: Hell yeah. I I don't, you know, I'm going to keep mine until the end. I don't think anybody knows what I think about this film yet. Um, Joey, what about you?
1: No brainer. It absolutely belongs. This shouldn't have worked. And it works so well. It holds up so well. It still looks great. The story's more than meets the eye. I mean, 100% yes. Come on.
2: For a second, I thought you were saying no. And I was like, oh my God, how? But uh, this is obviously yes yes this should be in the book there is nothing like this out there they tried to do a sequel and it they tried to do 3d characters and it didn't work so they decided no we're done with that this is just i think it's a lovely film especially if you want something that isn't going to make you think too hard so everybody if you haven't seen it I don't know why you listened to this episode without saying it, but if you did, please go out and watch who framed Roger rabbit.
1: Indeed. And if you didn't, that's a funny order of things,
2: <laughs> it is. but I'm not going to judge you for it. I, I accept you. Please. I appreciate
1: the support. Oh yeah. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Of course. Yes, absolutely. That's awesome of you, but go watch it because everything we said will make a lot more sense.
2: Well, I think we have, we have a consensus, which is great.
0: So yeah, so that's that's three yeses. We all think that Who Framed Roger Rabbit should be in the book, but we want to know. What do you think? Uh, So find us on the places where people do the social media. You can listen to us where you find podcasts, and uh, maybe I'll get it right this time. Uh, Joey, would you like to talk about what we're going to discuss next?
1: Man, I'm not going to shut up about what we're going to talk next. We're talking about Damien Chazelle's La La Land, and I can't wait. I've been waiting I'm... for this the three years I've been podcasting. I've been waiting for someone to let me loose on La La Land.
2: I've never seen it,
0: and I I, I, and I have strong I have strong feelings about this movie too. So this should be uh, this should be good.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> well, uh, so so La La Land is what we're going to be talking about next. But until then, I am Adam.
2: I am Brett,
0: and I'm Joey. And we will see you for La La Land.